Opinions of shows on KCNR are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of KCNR Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay. You're tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR, 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. This is Dr. Patty, and we are going to be talking about something that is on the forefront of everyone's mind these days. And I'm seeing a lot of difficult anxiety and fearful feelings and um, all sorts of stuff in my office. So I thought, you know, this is something that needs to be talked about. And this is talking about the vaccines and making a decision for yourself. Now, I want to clarify this. I am not talking about vaccines today from a political bent. This is not about Democrat or Republican. This is not about um, conspiracy theory stuff. Uh, you can take care of all of that on your own. All you have to do is pull up Facebook, and you're you're going to see a ton of stuff from both sides of the coin. But I'm I have so many clients in my office that are coming in frightened about losing their jobs, or uh, adding a vaccine when they already have um, immune disorders, or doing things that will harm the health of their children unnecessarily, and they're scared and they're anxious and they're worried. And they're coming to me with the anxiety of it all. And I've been starting to have this spiel while I tell everybody the same thing exactly. And so I thought today this show might really help people who are in this whole vaccine quandary about what should I do. Um, I have here in the studio with me today Dr. Richard Malotke. Say, say hi. Good morning, Dr. Patty. <laughs> Good morning, Dr. Richard. Dr. Malotke uh, is a family medicine specialist, a physician, and he has been in practice over 40 years. He is absolutely amazing. He's one of the best diagnosticians I've ever seen. Uh, he and I share a lot of patients together and help them with a combination of therapy and medical stuff that they need. And he is very well-versed on this whole immunology thing and vaccines and um, all this stuff. So we've got a professional voice of reason here that knows what he's talking about. So he's going to take a whole section or two to give you a lot of really good information. But just to introduce this, I want to talk to you about the fears and the hesitancy. There's just, I, I mean, I'm starting to call it vaccine anxiety. And you're seeing it too in your practice, right? Yeah, we use the same terminology. Yeah, you and I both do. I said, this person has to come see you. She is going crazy with vaccine anxiety, not sleeping, crying, worrying about her job, worrying about her health. And what I have found is that the media, any of the news stations that you listen to, uh, have gotten horrid. I mean, they have to fill 24 hours worth of news, and they are repeating things over and over and over again from whatever fear tactic they are, whatever stance they're taking. And you're getting inconsistent fearful information that's full of undocumented things and misinformation and sometimes conspiracy theories and sometimes just right out shaming and bullying, calling people murderers, calling people um, selfish. And if, if you don't do this for 
you're killing my grandmother, things like that. And that does not help people with vaccine anxiety. In fact, that's what some of the anxiety is caused from, because they don't feel like they can stop and make a medical decision for themselves. So if you're getting all your information from the media, news channels, from social media, Google, Wikipedia, they are all full of fear and anxiety and misinformation. And fear is the mind killer. It is. Once you are afraid, you stop thinking rationally. Correct. And then all you're doing is worried about, first off, basic needs, which, you know, are food, clothing, shelter. Is my family going to be safe? Then you're worried about people you love dying. And you start to get into self-protective safety mode, which is very fear-based. And there's a run on toilet paper. (laughs) Then there's a run on toilet paper. (laughs) Because you had to control something. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so there's toilet paper. (laughs) All right. So this whole idea that you're going to be forced into a vaccine by shame or guilt is not the path that gets people to figure out this vaccine. So... One of the really good things is is that President Trump pushed through on a fast-track program to get these vaccines going, and that was awesome because it wouldn't have happened if that hadn't been done back when this first started. But the vaccines are here. They've been here for a little bit of time now, and there's some efficacy to them, and there's some that it's not long enough, but you still have to make a decision. And there's right now there's people being pushed over the edge by saying, if you don't get a vaccine, you're going to get fired. And um, I'll tell you a story about a person that came in that has a job that is going to force vaccines. And this person has uh, MS and has fibromyalgia. And I'm not going to say what is male or female and what the profession is, but the person is very worried about getting a vaccine and throwing one of those autoimmune disorders into hyperdrive again and causing problems. And she can't, he he or she can't seem to get a straight answer from anybody about making a decision on the vaccine. So was in my office really, really upset, just sobbing about a job that is deeply loved and it's been going, a job that has been had for 20, 25 years. And it's fearful. It's scary. It's um, it's life-wrecking for this person. So Dr. Malaki is here with us today to help give you the parameters that he looks for with his patients on helping them decide vaccine or no vaccine, what are my risks. And, and just for your information, neither Dr. Malaki nor myself are anti-vaxxers. No, never have been. And never have been. We just are naturally cautious and want to do things correctly by health. But let's let's take a different example. Neither one of us are against antidepressants or psychotropic medications, but we don't think somebody should take them if they don't really need them. We don't want to push medication on somebody just because, oh, here, take this antidepressant, because it might not be appropriate for the type of depression you have. It might not be needed. So any medication that's put into our bodies needs to be It needs to be weighed, whether it's for our benefit or if the risk is too great. And that's what we're going to look at today so that you have some of your questions answered. Get a piece of paper and a pen because Dr. Malaki is going to give you things to talk to your doctor about so that you can make an informed decision for yourself if you're struggling with what to do with this. So 
let's take the whole vaccine issue out of politics, out of political parties, out of money. Who's making money for this? Because if you follow the money trail, that alone will scare the bejesus out of you. And the other thing you need to know is if you have a physician who is extremely COVID fearful, and that's what I'm starting to call because I see people in my office that are horrendously COVID fearful, fearful of dying themselves, fearful of their family dying, their kids dying. There are a lot of doctors who still haven't seen a patient face-to-face since it started. They've been doing Zoom because they Correct. are extremely COVID fearful yes. and afraid of dying and, and just don't want to take any risks. And then there's doctors that have a blanket kind of thing that says everybody, no matter what, should get the vaccine. And that's not necessarily a good thing either because it's not necessarily appropriate for everybody based on their health. Correct. So we don't want to give COVID fearful information. We want to give you information that you can sit down and even write out a pros and cons sheet about take this vaccine or not take the vaccine. And why would I do it and why wouldn't I do it? And then if still in doubt for your specific instances, you would go to your doctor with your pros and cons list and have that doctor help you. But I would be checking out first if you happen to have an extremely fearful COVID doctor because I don't think you get straight information. I think you get fear-based information. Um, people are that I also talk to, too, um, are very confused by the constant changing of information from the CDC. Um, like how Dr. Fauci will say one thing one time and another thing another time. That doesn't help. And constant misinformation about masks. Do they work? Do they not work? Are they ridiculous? Are they harming people? Are they harming children? Um, they definitely have an emotional cost to people. We know that. Boy, they definitely have emotional cost. You should be on my side of the chair listening to people freaking out about their face covered all the time. Um, so there's an emotional cost. There's um, a health cost to mass. But, again, you've got to weigh it all out and what is best for you and your health. Okay, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, Dr. Malaki is going to start talking to you about the things you should look for whether you're going to take the vaccine or not based on your health. He's going to give you a checklist, so get a pen and paper. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patricia Bay. And I have here in the studio with me Dr. Richard Malaki, family physician, um, 40 plus years experience. And just, just say I'm old. He's not old. He's cute. But he's got extensive experience in all of these areas. And he is very scientifically based. Um, he's amazing. So, Richard. Talk to the people about the things that you talk to your patients about on whether they should decide to, about the vaccine or not. Talk well, to us. Sure. Um, sure, Dr. Petty. I've uh, I've been talking about COVID every day for 18 months now and then, of course, about the vaccine since the vaccine came out. So there are a lot of questions. Almost all of them are good questions. There's a lot of crazy stuff out there in social media that is just unbelievable, and people bring that in, too, because they're worried about it. But um, uh, just a little groundwork. So 
I normally see about 300 patients a month for the last, actually, 42 years, which I hate to admit, but this is my 36th year in private practice here in Reading. And uh, so far, I don't know why I'm doing it, but so far I've, I'm up to 105 COVID-positive patients in my practice and had quite a few still. Last year, people say there was no influenza. I found some. So what we've been doing since it started is if you have a fever or cough, you stay in your vehicle, and I go out in the parking lot and check you out there. So we don't let sick, you know, sick people in the, in the waiting room, which is probably smart. And, uh, the current, uh, fervor, I guess, with COVID, like I had, uh, I guess three weeks ago, I had four new ones. I went about six weeks with no new COVID patients. Then, uh, three weeks ago, I had four new ones. Two weeks ago, I had five new ones. Last week, I had nine new ones. And I had four new ones this week. So, I think that's the Delta. We don't check for the Delta because you have to send it to a research lab. But the Delta variant is twice as contagious as the original COVID. But you can't tell which one people have. You just no, know they're COVID it, positive. Yeah, and it doesn't really okay. matter which one they have because there's not a difference in uh, morbidity and mortality between the two uh, flavors. It's just uh, way more contagious. So okay. if you have Delta, you're more likely to give it to um, your close contacts. So, yeah, so the question of, hey, um, am I going to be okay? Can I, do I need the vaccine? Don't I need the vaccine? Primarily, the best way to think about it, I think, is to uh, remember that since we were cavemen, you know, 50,000 years ago, the only thing that kept us between the, you know, running around and being in the ground was our immune system. Because bacteria and viruses have been trying to kill us since the dawn of time. And our immune system is an incredible incredible part of our body it's way you know it doesn't get the uh the the credit it deserves i guess but um it's also unfortunately really complicated to try to explain to someone um especially in a you know 20 minute office visit so your immune competence is what the virus measures so if you give 100 people um the covid virus the people with the weakest immune system will have the roughest course and weak immune systems Primarily with COVID, um, the CDC ran data on the first 500,000 COVID deaths. 78% of the first half million dead people were morbidly obese. When you're really heavy, your body, um, unfortunately, your body stores fat in your bone marrow. So go there for just a second because yes. there's confusion having dealt with eating disorders on this for 30-something years with people. Um, there's confusion of what? Is considered obese or not? You're talking about someone 10 pounds overweight or 100 no, pounds overweight? No, more like 50 pounds overweight. Okay. Probably above 50 pounds overweight, you start to have a poorly functioning bone marrow. And the bone marrow, of course, is the factory for your immune system. It's where your white blood cells and um, antibodies are made. So ordinarily, when we get sick, like let's say you're five years old, you get strep throat. Your peripheral white blood cells um, ring a little bell. They send a signal to the bone marrow to crank up production of specific um, antibody and specific uh, white blood cells to go and kill this bacteria. In the case of COVID, same thing. It's uh, your body learns about the virus by initially, you know, contacting it. It enters your body through the mucous membrane. So your body learns about it. And then the immune system, in a very clever way, learns how to kill it. And for most people, within about 10 days, um, your body has killed the virus, and uh, then your body retains memory of how to kill it again should it happen to try to get you again. That's one of the best parts about the immune system. Exactly. It's so a, if you're 
50 pounds or more overweight, roughly, your immune system is going to be compromised because your bone marrow is going to be compromised. Correct. And, I mean, that's what I think. But, uh, you know, I've been doing this job a long time, and I've had, uh, well, 105 COVID patients. That, uh, three people I put in the hospital, one weighed 340, one weighed 310, and one weighed 295. Mm-hmm. And they can't breathe without when they're not sick anyway. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's a that's the biggest um, the biggest risk factor for this COVID virus is is being overweight, and unfortunately, a lot of Americans are that. Um, if your lungs are damaged from smoking, or you know, if your body's kind of damaged from alcohol or drugs or smoking marijuana or all that stuff, those things all are are a disadvantage for your immune system. Diabetes that's well controlled is no risk at all, but diabetes that's poorly controlled is a big risk. Um, it turns out that our body's immune system really needs healthy levels of vitamin D. So occasionally you'll see a picture, they'll put it on the cover of the New York Times to scare everybody, you'll see a 30-year-old marathon runner die of COVID. Well, guarantee if you check that, who looks really fit, guarantee if you check his vitamin D, it's low. Because even if you really look fit, if you're, you should ask your doctor to check your vitamin D. I've been doing it for a year and a half now. And you were telling me too that some people from certain parts of the country will almost always have low vitamin D. Well, the general rule in med school is if you live above the 35th parallel, here in Reading we're at the 38th parallel, above the 35th parallel you're likely to be low vitamin D. Because you're not getting all the sunshine. Right, people on the equator get more. More sunshine, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so age is a factor. You know, my dad is 93. He lives in assisted living. He has a 93-year-old immune system. He's still pretty active. He's not overweight, but I was sure happy when he got his vaccine, Mm -hmm. you know. And then if you have chronic illnesses like high blood pressure, heart disease, if you've been on chemotherapy for cancer, all those things take your immune system down a notch. Mm-hmm. Or more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so that's really what counts. And, and if you ask your doctor anything, ask him, hey, do I have a good immune system? What do you think? Because uh, the, almost everyone, of course, recovers from this COVID virus. Almost mm-hmm. everyone. The case fatality rate is 0.3% nationwide. That's three out of a 1,000 will die. Mm-hmm. 997 out of a 1,000 survive. So... It's bad, and the numbers are high because almost everybody's going to get it or, or, you know, either is going to get it or is going to get the vaccine. Those are your two choices. You don't have three choices. You're going to get the vaccine or you're going to get the virus. One of those two things is going to happen. So you're bringing up a really good point. When I've been seeing people in my office that are fearful and anxious, and I say, let's put all the fears away and the conspiracy theory stuff away and the politics, and let's weigh the pros and cons. So this is the type of thing you go talk to your doctor about. What are the pros for you for getting a vaccine? It might be uh, to shut my friends up, to shut my family up, okay, (laughs) because that is actually real. Uh, The other thing is it might be to keep my job. Um, The other thing might be um, I can't afford to be off work for two weeks if I do get COVID. A big pro is not having to lay in bed for two weeks watching Netflix. Yeah. You know, I mean. No, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I was personally, I was just because ha- you went through all the Netflix things when you had COVID. <laughs> yeah, what a mess. Yeah, I uh, I was happy I got COVID because in my job, you know, I've been going out in the parking lot. I've been out in the parking lot 170 times in the last 18 months, and so so crawling in a car with someone who's coughing and has 103 fever, 
you're going to get it if you, you know, I was glad I've already had it. Yeah. And I got it before the vaccine was available. Yes, you did. So, and your whole family did. Yeah, unfortunately. But, uh, but now I'm kind of glad, I'm glad they got it too, because now we don't have to worry about it. Right. And we're, the whole third section of the show, we're going to talk about that. So, uh, we'll save the antibody talk for a little bit, but let's look at the pros and cons again. So what I tell people is, Divide a paper in half. This is a decision-making exercise. What are all the pros for getting the vaccine for you? Um, And what are all the cons? And one of the cons might be, I don't want to risk side effects. What side effects are you afraid of of risking? Um, What are the cons for you getting it by your health? Or what could be harmful for you. Like it's it's very real that people in my office with autoimmune diseases are very frightened of getting the vaccine because they can eat the wrong food and flare up their lupus or fibromyalgia or, you know, that kind of stuff. So they're going, gosh, I don't want to put some kind of poison in my system and flare up my autoimmune. So we're going to spend some time talking about that too. But you're going to make a pro and con sheet. And one of the things you've got to look for is what Dr. Malaki was just telling you. How is your weight Okay, are you ingesting stuff that's bad for you? Drugs, cigarettes, pot, um, excessive alcohol. You know, we're not talking about you having a glass of wine with dinner. We're talking about that, that you have an alcohol problem and you don't want to admit it even. <laughs> admit it to yourself right now if you do. It's going to compromise your immune system. Then um, low vitamin D is going to be another one. Uncontrolled diabetes. Age, like 60 plus is basically what you look at, right? Yeah. You know, I used that 60 plus for the first, you know, two thirds of the pandemic. And now with this Delta variant, it's look like it can be threatening to younger age, um, you know, people in their 20s and 30s. So I'm not I'm not hard on that over age 60. You know, I have a little treatment plan that all my patients get. So I've been more, um, I guess, more liberal with um trying to what what kills you with covid is this thing called the cytokine storm and it's a very familiar thing to doctors who are old like me because we used to see the cytokine storm from lots of other things not just covid mm-hmm. that's that's not it, the cytokine storm is not new to medicine mm-hmm. um you know we had my first one i think it was well my first year in med school because mm-hmm. influenza can cause it gunshot wound to the chest can cause it blunt trauma like going through the windshield of a car will cause it and we treat it the same way we treated 42 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just white out in your lungs, but the air can't get to you, right? Well, it's way more complicated than that. The chest mm-hmm. X-ray is—we call it a white out chest yeah. X-ray. We used to call it shock lung, but uh, yeah, steroids stop it. The problem with it is um, it's a snowball rolling down the mountain, and if you don't stop that snowball, if the doctor doesn't stop that snowball before it gets to be the size of a house, that person's going to die. And we're going to do that in the fourth section of the show. We're going to talk about what to watch for, how to get help, when to get help. But, so you don't have to be afraid of COVID. You're informed. That's what we're trying to do with this show. Be informed. Okay, we've got to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, immunity and a bunch of other stuff. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're listening to the beautiful Native American flute music of Randy McGinnis. We thank Randy for allowing us to play his music on this show. It has helped so many people because it's so relaxing and beautiful. If you want to check out his music, go to randymcginnis.com. He's a Cherokee native, speaks fluent Cherokee, and his 
Music is absolutely gorgeous. So thank you, Randy. Okay, we are talking about vaccines, uh, making a decision. And what do you need to know so that you can feel on top of this and not fearful? Start doing this with, this is no, this is like real bad flu. What would I do if I had the flu? And you need to know what to do if you're starting to get COVID or if you've had COVID or if you're trying to decide on the vaccine or not. So Dr. Richard Malaki is here with me. Um, so Dr. Malaki, would you talk to people about if they've had COVID before and the immune system, uh, their antibodies, and then if they start to get COVID, what, what do they need to look for? So go for it. You've got you're just a wealth of information. I don't want to. Well, yeah, no, way. you're doing good. So, um, so I'm in, I'm giving just a little bit different advice than the CDC is, which I guess makes me a bad person. But um, but the people who've already had COVID, there there may be as many as a hundred million of them in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, they are immune to COVID. That's how the immune system works. So COVID virus is a viremia. That's what we call it. So unlike the common cold, COVID virus enters into your bloodstream, gets pumped around your bloodstream, and we call it a viremia. On the third day of the viremia, you have, on average, 500 billion virions in your body. It's a major assault on your body. Just like other viremias, measles, mumps, which no one gets anymore, but I got because I'm old enough. Yeah, I have and, measles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and influenza is a viremia. Mm-hmm. So um, unlike influenza, all those other viruses that I mentioned do not mutate enough for us to ever need to get a, a, a different uh like vaccine for them. Yeah, we, I I had measles when I was five. I've never had to have a measles vaccine. Well, I can't uh, get measles. No, you can't. And mm-hmm. uh, the odds, actually, I looked it up. The odds are more than a million to one mm-hmm. against you getting. It's like uh, Dumb and Dumber. It's, yeah. So you're saying I got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> and and the CDC a little bit with this COVID has been saying. So you're saying I got a chance because. I'm never going to get COVID again. That same virus, it's never going to happen. My immune system won't let it happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky I have a healthy immune system. Mm-hmm. But that's that's basic science. That's how it works. And people don't want to come out and say that because we only have 18 months of data. But I can guarantee to you that 10 years from now, I'll be immune from COVID. Mm-hmm. So that's a blessing. Um, but, you know, the the messaging has been a little confused from the government. So what I've been telling my folks is if you haven't had a vaccine yet, I think you should get it. If you haven't had a vaccine yet but were sick last year, I think you should first um, have a blood test to see if you're already immune to COVID. Mm-hmm. You might be. If you had a, what you thought was a cold, check it. Because if you are already immune to COVID, your odds of a immune system overreaction to the vaccine yes. are greatly multiplied. I have had no patients have bad side effects from the vaccine, none, except for two patients who got the vaccine after they already had COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was bad for both of them. So, yeah, and right now the government's after me to get my, or the public health department and uh, and the uh, Shasta, or, um, California Medical Board is going to take my license September 30th if I don't get vaccinated. And you have antibodies. Oh, yeah, I'm totally immune. I've been on, like I said, I've been on the trucks for cars and trucks 170 times. I haven't got it again. Now, one of the things you told me when I was asking you is of all the people you've started to see since the Delta variant has been raising its ugly head, um, 
were any of them vaccinated? Only one. I've had one breakthrough case. That's what you're asking. So mm-hmm. the, the breakthrough case was actually the 310-pound guy I had to put in the hospital. Okay. So and he had a bad immune system anyway. Yeah. What happens if you have a bad immune system and you get the vaccine, the vaccine is less likely to take. You can think about it like that. It, yeah. It doesn't work because your immune system is so compromised it doesn't pay attention to the vaccine. So it's not making antibodies very well. well right. It's just, you know, vac- vaccines work on healthy people. Okay. They don't work on unhealthy people. So, so yes. It, it, but if they don't work on unhealthy people, unhealthy people have a little bit better chance by getting the vaccine because it... Oh, the unhealthy people should definitely get the vaccine. They because get it the gives booster. them a little bit of immunity. Yeah, they immunity. should get as many vaccines as they can because okay. they've got a bullseye on their chest and this virus has the rifle. And COVID could kill you. Yes. So you got a little better... If you've got a horrible immune system by all those factors we talked to in the first part of the show... And you get the vaccine that gives you a little bit more of a fighting chance yeah, to fight it off. Get all the vaccines and put duct tape over the cracks in your doors and windows. <laughs> and don't come out. No. no I'm, I know, but be careful. <laughs> well, no, but cha- change your ways. Yeah. This if is you, the motivator. Change your ways. Lose 100 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Look how much better you'll feel. Well, yeah. Think of your, um, your immune system won't be compromised exactly. as much anymore. But if we're, and all those people that you've been seeing in the last month or last three weeks, did any of them have antibodies and get COVID? Well, you can't get antibodies without getting COVID. No, I mean, did anybody have COVID before, have the antibodies like you and your family? I've seen no um, patients who had, get COVID twice. I think that's, that's what, what you're I'm asking, asking me. Yes. I've seen none. So what They're, you're seeing is antibodies work. Oh, totally. That's yeah. how it works. That's yeah. how the system works. Yeah. There's no denying that. I and don't understand why the CDC and some medical doctors are saying Antibodies don't count. Well, antibodies are the only thing that counts. So, and this is where some of the confusion comes in. Unfortunately, it is confusing. Uh, where some of the confusion comes in is a person who's vaccinated gets a shot in their muscle. It doesn't activate one of the really important parts of our immune system, which uh, the part of our the antibodies that patrol our mucous membranes. COVID and all those respiratory viruses like measles and mumps and and influenza, they all enter our body through eyes, nose, mouth. They enter through mucous membranes. You could stand in a 10-gallon bucket of COVID and it wouldn't make you sick. But if you touch your finger in that and then rubbed your eye, you're going to be sick. So so the part of the immune system that patrols uh, the mucous membranes is called IgA. The cells that are in charge of sort of governing that are called B memory cells. And the person who's vaccinated does not get B memory cells for IgA. So the confusing part is they can still test positive for COVID a couple months later. Did they lose their vaccine? No, no, no. The vaccine never protected them from getting cold-like symptoms from COVID. It does protect them from getting uh, the viremia part of COVID. The, the part that can kill yeah. you. Yeah, so the casual person who was vaccinated three months ago goes into a restaurant or goes somewhere where they have to be tested, and, oh, my gosh, I tested positive. That's because, the, yeah, they have the it's COVID. It's in your mucous membrane. Yeah, they have the COVID in their nose and sinuses, but they don't have a fever. They don't have muscle aches. They don't have all the Now, is that what stuff. they're saying? If you have COVID in your mucous membranes, even though you're not going to get bad COVID, is that how you can spread it to somebody else? Absolutely. So that's where masks can help. And that's why the CDC switched their little uh, recommendation on that, because they realized, oh, yeah, by the way, we don't have IgA immunity. So um, you can, the person who's vaccinated, even though they won't get sick from COVID, um, 
they might have a cold, they can give it to people who are unvaccinated. Okay. And the unvaccinated is, is what's causing See, all the trouble. That's the first time anyone has said what makes sense. Because so far what you've heard in the past was get COVID and then you're done. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to do anything. Uh, then it's, okay, get COVID. Now that doesn't count. Now you have to get a vaccine. But that still doesn't count. And, I mean, it's just like. It's, it's, been, so, it's been a confused message, and unfortunately for us, for our line of work, I think, um, credibility is sort of a big thing. So when, uh, especially when the federal government is saying a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense to people, they just lose credibility. And loss of credibility is bad because, you know, we're supposed to be the people that know what's going on. Well, the loss of credibility, the misinformation, the constant changing, the not giving enough information to make sense, and then it all going back to politics again. Yeah, it makes people skeptical. It makes them skeptical and afraid, and they feel duped. And then they start reading stuff on social media. There's crazy stuff on social media. And they get a hold of all the conspiracy theory stuff, which is not conspiracy theory like... It used to be a long time ago. This is people trying to get answers. Like, I know people that are just middle of the road, whether they're Democrat or Republican. They're just kind of middle of the road people. They're not fanatical about anything. They just want to make wise decisions for themselves and their family. But if they do say this, then they're they're called some kind of murdering. Oh, yeah. You know, Republican conservative. Yeah, I've heard all that stuff, and yeah. it's kind of it's sad. I mean, it's not it doesn't add to social discourse, but um, well, it keeps people from being able to get answers. Right. So, all right. So antibodies do count, but if you get a cold, even after you've had COVID, it's because it can still. If you have a vaccine. Now, if you've you have antibodies, you you're not, not going to get, get anything. No, if if you no, it's not quite fair to say yeah, that. If you've had it. COVID, the, and got COVID like I got it from the the cook at the elk camp. Yeah. If you get the real COVID, not talking about the vaccine, you will not get it again. You can't carry it. You can't give it to someone else. You are basically the only scot-free person in the room. So you shouldn't have to wear a mask because well, it doesn't. Well, no, but it makes people uncomfortable if you don't. So I just wear one anyway. But, yeah, but it's, <laughs> no. You're wearing it so the 80-year-old lady in the grocery store doesn't go. No, it's, rah, the, rah, same, rah. it's the same thing, even though you know we only have 18 months of data. It's the same thing as trying to get measles again. I got measles 60 years ago. You couldn't give it to me to, today on a bet. Yeah. Impossible. Okay. So. All right. So the antibodies are the best thing to have. If you, especially if you have some of these symptoms, these immune destroyers. Yeah, the compromisers. <laughs> compromisers, yeah. Um, the vaccine will give you some help even if you have a bad immune system. It will not give you the amount of help that it would if you were a healthy person. Correct. Okay. Um, so there are reasons to get the vaccine. And, and when we are doing that pros and cons list, one of them that you might say is, look, if I get COVID, I'm young enough and healthy enough, I have a good immune system, I'm most likely going to survive it because the chance of me dying from it is minute. Correct. But can I afford to be off work for two weeks or three weeks? Can I um, take, or, can or I take care of my kids? Or live with the guilt of spreading it to your grandma or, so, you know, something like that. So yeah. hopefully all the grandmas are vaccinated now. So I know. So if you are 60 plus, you're definitely in the age group where you should get the vaccine because 
our immune system declines as we get older. But Dr. Malachi has seen this new variant that's more um, contagious. Much more. Much more contagious. And he's seen that compromise people even young in their 20s and up. So that 60-plus thing is a definite. And the 20 to 60 is you should highly consider it and talk to your doctor about your immune system. And look at those immune factors. Would you list down those one more time? Just so people, if you have these immune factors, you are Yeah, if you're overweight or you have lung damage from smoking or other lung illnesses, like people that are bad asthmatics, actually. And COPD. Um, correct, and, yeah. And That's, people that compromise with smoking and pot and drugs yeah, and poorly, alcohol. Poorly controlled diabetes, low vitamin D. Vitamin D is important for healthy immune functioning if you're... Um, have heart disease or blood pressure problems or had had chemotherapy within the last couple of years for cancer. If you had chemotherapy 20 years ago, you don't have to worry about it. Okay. Good. And see, those are the type of things people need answers to. And they need their doctors to answer them. So you have to be able to ask these correct questions and make this list and take it into your doctor. All right, we have to go to break. When we come back, Dr. Malaki is going to talk to you about what are the COVID symptoms to watch for, how to keep yourself healthy, and when do you need to go to the hospital if you need to go, and how do you know you need to go. Okay, we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and we're here with Dr. Richard Malaki. And Dr. Malaki is going to tell you what are COVID symptoms to look for and how do you take care of yourself and how do you prevent it as much as possible, and then what do you do if you start to get sick. Take it away, Dr. M. Okay. Hey, thanks. Um, yeah, so how most of the patients present um you know, they'll, uh, most of them now, everybody's talking, I was exposed here or I was exposed there. Often there's a history of exposure where they're all together with a group and no one knew that the one person was sick. And they didn't even know they were sick until they, two days later, tested positive, And now the whole group is, is exposed. So, mm-hmm. so going out in the parking lot, the, most of the time the, the symptoms are fever. Um, body aches is a big one because I told you how many viruses are in your body. One virus enters a cell, multiplies itself a whole bunch, and then blows up the cell. Right. You know, that makes your muscles hurt all over. Mm-hmm. And a bad headache is common. The smell and taste thing in my practice is 50-50. And, you know, I'm going to tell you all the things that I've been seeing and doing, but it doesn't mean that that's the way it is. It's just my information for you today is anecdotal. That's right. What I never lost my sense of taste. And smell. Yeah, I didn't either. The but headache my, just about my wife took me did. out. Yeah, my wife lost it, and she lost six pounds in two weeks. I gained eight pounds because I ate her food. No, she didn't lose it. it was, you found it. Was it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I was dumb. So, but, yeah, so they're out there in the car coughing, and their body aches, and they, they feel horrible. Usually they have, you know, 101, 102 fever. They feel real achy. And if you've ever had influenza, I have had it a couple times, it just kind of feels like that. It felt like that to me. Um, the the dangerous part about this virus is that it is quite a bit more likely than influenza to cause this cytokine storm thing. In your lungs. Well, cytokine storm, cytokine storm is a is a systemic problem. So it's it's throughout doesn't your just, body. Yeah, it doesn't okay. just happen in your lungs. So, and it's it's a little bit uh, off in the weeds with the biochemistry of, of it all, but. Uh, Basically, what happens is when your immune system is up, backed up against the wall, and your immune system knows it can't win, it 
tells all these little cells in the body called basophils. They're in the bloodstream and mast cells, uh, which are in the lungs and other tissues. There's lots of them in the lungs. They release um, these little, um, almost like little Ziploc baggies. They release these little bags of things that are very, very dangerous to you. They're um, they're trying to help, but they they overdo it. It ends up being a chain reaction. The analogy I've been um, giving my patients is pretend I'm on top of Mount Shasta and I've got a snowball in my hands. I decide to roll it down the hill. Halfway down the hill, it's the size of a car. When it gets to the bottom of the mountain, it's the size of a house. The doctor's job is to recognize the snowball is rolling down the hill and to stop it before it becomes the size of a car. Yeah. If you let it get beside the house and you say, I can't breathe, and you go to the hospital and you need a ventilator, you have a 70% chance of dying. Right, because it's too late. It's really bad. We can't fix it. The ventilator it. can't reverse the cytokine storm. No, when I, storm. early in the thing, when they said we need more ventilators, I was going, time out here. We do not need more ventilators. We need more people who know how to stop the cytokine storm. So, and like mm-hmm. I said, I've been treating it for years. So, yeah, so what, what I do is I do a immune competence evaluation in the parking lot and if my patient looks like they have even a sliver of a chance of getting the cytokine storm i put them on medication that prevents the cytokine storm right and that's what you did when i had it right you, I, you put me on steroids basically immediately mm-hmm. and I got through COVID within 48 hours and just yeah. had to deal with the headache. Well, yeah, but it just it just keeps your body from overreacting. So um, the other thing I tell all of them is they need to get an oximeter. It's called pulse oximeter. It, you can get one at any drugstore. And before the before the pandemic, they were 25 bucks. Now they're 50 bucks. Yeah. But that's well, and for those of you that don't know what it is, it's a little thing that clips on your finger. All you do is push a button, clip it on your finger. There's no pain. You just clip it on there, and it will tell you what your pulse rate is, and what your oxygen level is. Yeah, and, and you want people to be aware when their oxygen falls what? So the rule is what I'm having everyone do is check their oxygen every six hours. So it's kind of a pain. But four times a day you're laying there watching Netflix. Um, the, the early warning sign that the cytokine storm is happening to you, you won't feel it, which is the tricky, sneaky part. The early warning sign is... Uh, your oxygen, most of our oxygens, if you don't smoke, your oxygen is usually above 95%. And uh, 90, 97, 98, 95%, it will bounce around when you check it. But if it all of a sudden is averaging 96 or 97 and it suddenly drops to 88, you get your butt to the emergency room right now. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You're going to die if you don't get there right now. Because your O2 is dropping, which is the first sign it's that your cytokine hap- storm is happening. Yeah, and we're in the ER, we're calling it the happy hypoxemics. Hypoxemics okay. is when you're low on oxygen, and they don't feel that. They yeah. really don't. They so happy don't, meaning, I feel fine. Yeah, I'm fine. What are you so excited about? Yeah, we're excited. And uh, you can prevent all that if you just... If you're at risk, just take the steroids. I have, I've had no patients die. And, of course, I've only had 105, but... But I've some I've had some very risked risked you know well, risky and the, patients. The steroid stops the cytokine storm. So if if somebody like for a long time people were going to their doctor or going to the ER or going to an urgent care and no one was giving them anything to stop that. Why? Well, why? So, why? Why? I don't understand this. So, why aren't they treating people? Well, part of it, I I think I'm right about this. Part of it is that uh, the medical schools for about 20 years have been teaching doctors not to use steroids. In fact, my my son is a doctor and he went 
you know, to medical school within the last 20 years, and he was taught that steroids are bad. Don't use them. And it's partly true because steroids have some, you know, liability issues. Can They can cause side effects. Mm-hmm. But in the case of the cytokine storm, it's a question of do you want to be alive or do you want to be dead? Yeah. Most people choose being alive. So, um, yeah, so the young guys haven't been trained that way. The old guys, we all know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve Struve you know, runs the ICU at Mercy, just retired. But... uh our uh, death rate was uh, 50% instead of 70% because Steve knows what to do. But, yeah, and wasn't so, afraid to do it. Exactly. So the CDC advice, which I am kind of angry with them about, the CDC advice of when you're sick, lay in bed, wait till you can't breathe, and then go to the hospital, it's bad advice. You're almost dead meat by then. Once, once the cytokine storm has happened, we can't reverse it. The only thing we can do is stop it. it once the snowball's the side of the house... There's very little stuff that we can do. If you stop it before it gets to be the size of a car, it's a home run. And so getting on a ventilator to try and force some oxygen into your body, it's got to get around this cytokine storm, and it's very difficult. So getting put on a ventilator is not going to go, oh, now I feel fine, I can breathe. Oh, no, it doesn't. It's like putting someone at the bottom of a 10-foot deep pool and then putting them on a ventilator. And the ventilator's in the water, too. Uh. Yeah, your alveoli, the little air sacs that... That how you breathe, there are little mil- billions of air sacs in your lungs. They fill with fluid because they get a chemical burn from the cytokine storm. Wow. The lining of your blood vessels get a chemical burn from the cytokine storm. So you get uh, cl- all these clotting abnormalities, pulmonary emboli, strokes, lots of, lots of really bad stuff. Okay, so let's be practical for a second. Let's say that somebody goes home. Um, and they say, God, I'm starting to not feel good. They check their temperature. They're, they're, you know, 100.5. They're kind of going up a little bit. Their body's aching. They're saying, ah, this feels like when I had the flu before. So first thing you're going to do is you need to stay home. You need to not go spread this. To first thing you else. need to do is go to your doctor's parking lot. Yeah. Call your doctor. See if you can get in. Many, many people do not have doctors these days. I, I feel incredibly grateful and fortunate that this man sitting across from me treats me and does a beautiful job of it. But many people say, I don't have a doctor. So I tell them, go to urgent care. Tell them that you have COVID symptoms and you need to have them listen to your lungs. Yes. Not through your clothes, by the way. If anyone listens to your lungs through your clothes, they don't know what they're doing. It's a pet peeve of mine. I, yeah, you taught me that. And boy, I see it all over the place now. Especially, I, I don't, I love nurse practitioners and PAs, but they're the ones I see do it the most. And because you never see a doctor these days, maybe that's why. Okay, so go to an urgent care, tell them what you've got, but you're checking your temperature, you've bought your oximeter now, you're checking your O2 levels, you can even tell, um, you can even tell your uh, doctor that you've been checking your O2 levels. You're watching your breathing. You're probably coughing. Your body aches. Can now, what can they take? Is it good to take an um, anti-inflammatory like Advil or something like that? So when you're yeah, when you're in the middle of this viremia, the best thing if it, the advice differs depending on what kind of condition you're in. You know the you know the the 30 year old yoga instructor just needs to drink a little lot of water. Okay. And their body, their immune system is like perfect. So they're not going to have a lot, as long as their vitamin D is okay. They're not going to have any issues fighting the virus. But yeah, if you're achy, you can take, you know, Aleve or you can take Advil. You, ibuprofen doesn't have any anti-inflammatory effect. So, 
Um, it won't really reduce the pain from the swelling in your muscles and all that. But uh, mostly rest and fluids is what I tell people to do. Okay. So don't go and spread it anywhere. Yeah. Take care of yourself. But the most important thing to watch for this cytokine storm Dr. Malaki is talking about is check your O2 levels. It's not that bad of a deal. Do it every six hours and if it and, and don't stress about it. It's, it's probably not going to happen to you. But if it does happen to you, you will save your life by... Um, doing that discipline of every six hours. And the other thing is, I always tell people, write down anything you've taken. Write down what your O2 levels, put the time in your O2 level. If you end up in the ER, show them your piece of paper. This that, is this has been my temperature. This has been my O2 levels. This is why I see it falling. This is why I'm here. That helps the staff at the ER. Yeah, and I still have... I still feel okay, but I'm watching my O2 get bad and bad. And as soon as it dropped down below 90, I got in the car and I'm here. And show them, so that partly so they don't think you're an idiot. All right, <laughs> listen, we uh, we had a caller that wanted to talk in. I'm so sorry we couldn't let you in. It was really important that we got this information out, but we're going to talk to you now in just a second. Thank you so much, Dr. Richard Malaki, for helping people the way you do and for passing on really good, solid information. No you're, worries. You're an awesome person. Thank you. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you've been listening to Therapy in a Nutshell, where I just want to help. Heal the world, one 